0: Heavenly Father, grant that the words of my mouth and those who preach and teach all over this world on this day, and the meditation of the millions and millions of hearts that will be in the activity of worship, may their meditation be blessed by your Spirit, acceptable in your sight, in our Savior's name, amen. On this Father's Day, I want to take you to the fourth book of the Bible, Book of Numbers, It is the first chapter of that book. The Lord spoke to Moses in the tent of meeting in the desert of Sinai on the first day of the second month of the second year that the Israelites had come out of Egypt. And he said to Moses, Take a census of the whole Israelite community. Name them by their clans by their tribes, and by their families. And then, Moses, I want you to do one other thing. I want you to list every man by name. One by one by one by one. I want you to list every man by name. Why did God do that? Why did the Heavenly Father do that? because the Israelites were about to go into battle for the first time. The Hittites and the Girgashites and all of the others, the Amalekites, they would assail the Israelites while they're in the wilderness. And as they're getting ready to prepare for battle, God wants them to understand one thing. Every single name was important to him. The 12 tribes are all listed. The clans are listed. The families are listed. He says to Moses, name by name by name by name. And by the time Moses was through listing all of the names, there were 603,550 names. It was as if God was saying, you are my children. You are about to go into battle I want you to know how much I love you and I want you to know how much I care for you, name by name by name. There were 2.2 million Israelites at this time in their history. 603,000 would be the warriors that defended the kingdom. And he wanted their names recorded. We're not surprised... In the New Testament, our Lord is speaking a parable, is he not? And here's a shepherd that has a hundred sheep. And if he's a good shepherd, he probably knows the name of every one of their sheep. But one sheep is missing. George is missing. So he leaves the 99 sheep behind and he goes after George. And when he finds George, he rejoices that this lost sheep has been found. Name by name. By name, For I love every single one of them, and I want every single one of them to know how much they are loved. It's a book, book of Revelations. It's the last book of the Bible. Revelation 13, verse 8. It says, Every person on this earth shall worship the beast, everyone whose name is not written in the book of life, which belongs to the Lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world your name is in the book of life not your tribe not your clan not your family not your color not your race not your social status not your male or female every name written in the book of life which belongs to the lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world and that lamb says to you in john chapter 10 if you are in my book no one shall snatch you out of my hand. My Father, that's how it refers to God. My Father, who is greater than all, has placed your name in the book of life, and no one shall pluck you out of my Father's hand. Names, Carl Haas. Carl Haas passed away 17, 18 years ago. in 93 years of age. Last couple of years, Waterford Estates over there in Hazelcrest. And I would go and see Carl once a month, and Carl shared with me that he was one of 19 children. And all the mothers in the congregation are wincing, yes. And the fathers are saying, he must, have, Dad must have been gone for a while with all those kids around. Carl said, I'm the last one alive. All the others are gone. I'm the youngest, and I'm the last one alive. I said, Carl, how in the world could your parents afford 19 children? And he said, we lived on a farm in North Dakota, and everything we needed, including our clothing, it came from the farm. There were so many of us, we never had to hire out any help. And then Carl told me something, He said, Pastor, we had name tags. (laughs) And when we got up in the morning, we had to put our name tags on. I said, Carl, you're pulling my leg. He said, no, I'm not pulling your leg. We had to have name tags so Mom and Dad would know who we were. So they didn't have to go through a whole long list of names before they got the right name correct. With my own grandchildren, I know Miles and Lucas, I never get them mixed up. But it's the two blondies. It's Elena and Cece. Half the time I call Elena Cece, and half the time I call Cece Elena, and they always let me know when I've made the mistake. Papa, you're getting old. You just can't keep us straight any longer. God doesn't have that problem. God does not have that problem He says to Moses, 605,550 names. I want you to write every single one of them down. If you're looking at a psalm on Father's Day, let it be Psalm 139. Because that psalm is about you as a father, and it's about your children if you are so blessed. Psalm 139. God knows your path. He knows when you rise up. He knows when you lie down. He knows every circumstance you'll ever go through on this day. He knows every circumstance you'll ever go through in your lifetime. Psalm 139, verse 16. God knows your name. There were 5 strand children, Al and Mark and Tim and Rebecca and myself. And God knew every single one of us. He knew our quirks, our personalities, our goals, our aspirations. He knew everything about us. Psalm 23. Said it some 15 years ago. You ought to put your name into Psalm 23. The Lord is Bill Shepherd. The Lord is Vicki Shepherd. The Lord is Wind shepherd, you put your name into that psalm. And every verse in that psalm, you put your name into it. And all of a sudden, it becomes very personal. Because God is very personal to you. There's a hymn, I love to sing it. How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. If I told you how sweet your name sounds in God's ear, would you believe me? Isaiah 43, it's 800 years after Moses wrote what he did in the book of Numbers. Isaiah 43, every year two or three of our confirmants pick this as their confirmation verse. Psalm 43, or Isaiah 43, I am your Father, I have created you, I have redeemed you, I have summoned you by your name, you belong to me. When you pass through the waters, my child, I, your father, who has your name in the palm of my hand, I will be with you in the waters. And when you pass through the rivers, my child, I, your father, will be with you. They will not sweep you away. When you walk through the fire, my child, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when you walk through the fire, I, your father, will be with you. You'll not be burned up. I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. I am your Savior, and I shall be with you. There's something about names. Name every name. Last book of the Bible, your name is in the book of life, which belongs to the Lamb who's going to steal your name out of the book of life if it belongs to the Son of God himself? 36 chapters, book of Numbers, divine history of the wanderings of the Israelite family. It's a story of God's patient, his tender, his untiring care for his oft time, murmuring rebellious children, He reveled in their praise. When he said to his children, Dig trenches. And they dug trenches in the wilderness. And the next morning, the trenches were filled with water. They gave him praise. They knew who it was from. When the manna came that first time, they gave him praise. They knew who it came from. Their father. When the quail came from the east, when the serpent was raised up in the wilderness, and you looked upon the serpent and you were saved from the bites of snakes whenever God performed a miracle the people praised him and the heart of God was warmed is it not so if you have children and, and they praise you or thank you for something is your heart not warmed? and then a week later the Israelites would say where's God And then a month later, something else happening. They say, where's God? And did God ever say, I'm fed up with you? (laughs) I'm just fed up with you. You never get who I am and how much I love you. Did he ever do that? Not once. Not once. Not ever. Nothing separates us from him. Not life, not death, not angels, not demons. Not our bad attitude. Nothing separates us from him. I was talking to Mike Otto the other day, next door neighbor, teacher, Southwest Christian. He said to me, he said, Paul, I prayed this morning that I might be able to witness to someone today. And then he's over there, next door neighbor's house, across the street. He's painting their house. And a boy comes out, their son there, 22 years of age, is going to Alabama in the fall. And he sits for two hours while Mike Otto is painting. And Mike Otto is talking to him about spiritual things. And the boy said to Mike Otto, answer this question for me. If God knew that Adam and Eve were going to sin, why did he create them? said, Paul, how would you have answered that? I said, Mike, when you and your wife had your three children, when I had my two boys, did you think that your children were going to be perfect? That they would never sin, that they would never fall, that they would never cuss, that they would never get into trouble, that not a single gray hair on your head would ever come from your children? Uh, Did you think that? (laughs) And Mike said, no. I said, why do we have children? Because we love them. We know what the future is going to hold. They're going to repeat the same things that we did to our parents. We know what's going to happen, but love is the reason. I said, why did God create Adam and Eve, even though He knew they were going to fall into sin? Because He loved them. 1 Peter 4, 8. Love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Love each other deeply. Love them so much, God, that you will appoint your son to die before the beginning of time for Adam and Eve and for everyone else that will ever be on this planet. Love each other deeply. And every time... The people shook their fist at God. God always forgave. Confrontations would be there on God's part. And when the repentance came, God always forgave. He would say, let's give it a fresh start. God has no problem with confrontation. It's part of His business. Word of God written for four reasons. One is doctrine. The other three are confrontations. Correction, instruction, and righteousness. How many times do the fathers say, I don't like confrontation. I know my son or my daughter is on the wrong path, but I just don't like confrontation. Not good. Not good. Part of love on God's part is to say to you and me, a conscience, His Word, and other people in our life, you're on the wrong path. Greatest love a parent can show a child. Same thing. You're on the wrong path. And we as parents are as ready to forgive as God our Heavenly Father is ready to forgive us. Let me cover one other territory with you. When the Israelites are in their wilderness, God is leading them. The Bible says there was a cloud that led them during the day. The cloud was the Shekinah, glory of God. And when the cloud moved, the people moved. And when the cloud stayed, the people stayed. And at night there was a pillar of fire And the people followed the pillar of fire. When it stayed, they stayed. And when it moved, they moved. Sometimes the second our glory stayed for a month, and the people stayed. But when the cloud moved, or in the middle of the night when the fiery pillar moved, the people packed up and they moved. There are no clouds now. There are no pillars of fire now. How does God direct? How does he move? His Word is the Shekinah glory of God. And Jesus says of his Word, Luke 21, 33, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my Shekinah glory, my Word, shall never pass away. What does God's Word do for us? Two things. It gives us his promises... And it gives us his direction. Who makes you promises? Your tax preparer, I promise you, you get a refund. Who makes you promises? Your automobile mechanic. I promise you this will not be $2,200. It will be closer to 200 Who makes you promises? Your doctor. I promise you that as I've looked at this biopsy, there is no cancer there. Who makes you promises on this earth? How much weight do they hold? Let it be a doctor telling you it's not cancer. Let it be anyone who makes promises to you in significant matters. It changes that day for you. You have a Heavenly Father making 7,200 Promises to you, the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, 7,200 promises, and they don't cover your car bill or your tax refund. They cover, if you confess your sins, I'll forgive them, I'll remove them as if they never were. They cover, when you walk through the fire, it'll not burn you up. When you go through the flood, it'll not sleep, sweep you away. Jonathan's been heaven in heaven for 14 years. You better believe, I think about that, on Father's Day as Connie does on Mother's Day. And as I think of Jonathan, I think of the promise 153 times. There is life after this life. He is safe. You'll see him again 7,000 promises from God. And since our greatest dilemma is fear and worry, that's the one he delivers 365 times. So that when you wake up Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you have that sitting right in front of you. His word, Dad, his word that you read, and that you pass on to your children, consciously or subconsciously, you're reminding them all the time of what God reminds you. Lucas is with you. Elena is with you. Cece is with you. Miles is with you. You remind them of that all the time because that promise has seeped into your life. And the other thing you do for your children is you pray for them. God's Word and prayer... Ephesians six eleven and 12, put on all the armor of God. And how does that section end? It ends this way. It says five times in two verses, pray. Never stop praying. Continue to pray. Five times in two verses, that great section putting on all the armor of God, and you wrap it all up in this one thing called prayer. I have changed the way I've prayed. Talking to my son some three weeks ago, I've changed the way I pray. There's a dear lady in this congregation six weeks ago, her cancer was in remission. She said, God is so good. She called me two days ago. She said, my cancer's back and I'm afraid I'm going to lose my faith. Normally I would pray, Lord, remove her doubts. Now I say, Lord, if that area, her doubts, keeps her close to you, don't remove them. If you're Baptist, you say amen right now. If your weak area is low self-esteem, in the old days I would pray, Lord, remove that low self-esteem, but... If that low self-esteem is what keeps you close to God, then, Lord, don't remove it, because that keeps them close to you. If you're prideful or arrogant or narcissistic in the old days, I'd pray, Lord, remove that from them. That's terrible. But now I pray, Lord, if that is the thing in them that keeps them close to you, if they realize their pride and their arrogance, and they keep coming back to you, Lord. I blew it again. Help remove that from me. If that's what keeps them close, you don't remove it. Young man said to me, "Social media can be really bad." He said to me, "When I look at social media and I look at someone's green green lawn and I look at my lawn, <laughs> when I look at someone's incredible wedding and I look at my wedding." When I look at someone's perfect house and I look at my house, all chaos, he said, instead of getting charged up, uh, I'm going to be like that. He said, I just shut down. I sit and say, you know, what, what chance do I have? I just shut down. In the old days, I'd have prayed, Lord, remove that from this individual. But if that is what keeps them close to God... If that's what they keep praying to God about, then don't remove it. But I also pray this. Lord, don't let Satan pour his poison into that weak area. Do not let Satan pour his poison into that weak area. Pride, low self-esteem, hatred, anger, fear, worry, whatever is your personality, don't let Satan pour his poison into that area. Use that area to keep them close to you. Does it sound familiar? It should. The Apostle Paul, Second Corinthians 12, he said, Lord, I have begged you many times to remove this affliction, and you're not answering my prayer. And God then said to him, Here's my answer to your prayer. Your affliction I shall not remove, because that keeps you close to me. And when the affliction comes, I will be there. And what did the the Apostle Paul say? Did he say, well, God, if you're not going to help me, I'm not going to have anything to do with you. What did he say? He said, God, you're brilliant. I will rejoice in my fear, my worry, my low self-esteem. Whatever it is, I will rejoice in it. Because when it rears its head, I head to you. When pride is won the day, when fear is conquered a week and a month, when hatred or anger has devoured me one more time, when jealousy over what my brother has and I don't have, when those things come, I lift my eyes to you, God, and if those things weren't in my life, would I be coming to you at all? Fathers, mothers, single, widowed, divorced, children, male, female, rich, poor, Jew, Gentile, slave, free, all one, every single name written in his book, name by name by name by name. And he will never confuse you. He will never confuse you. Before a word is on your tongue, he already knows it. While a thought is floating around in your head, he already knows it. The path you are to walk tomorrow, guess who's already set it up? The circumstance that you're going to bump into, guess whose arms are already ready for you when you come to that circumstance? He shall be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of our peace. God bless us. On this Father's Day, in our Savior's name, amen. Let me have a prayer with you. It's all that matters, Lord, that you're my Father. It's all that matters, knowing that my name has not been erased from your book, no matter how many times I've failed you and the kingdom and myself. It's still there. It shall always be there. Heavenly Father, grant to me, as the father of Joshua and the grandpa of Miles, Lucas, Elaine, and Cece, grant to me your continued grace, the two most important things in my life in the spiritual realm, your word and prayer. Continue to make them the central elements that exist for me. And for the fathers on this earth who bear the name Christian, such things we ask in our Lord's name. Amen.